Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast presented to you in conjunction with propertyofzack.com. And uh, if you have not visited that website or are aware of its existence, now you are, and go to it. Uh, It's a great site that uh, curates news and independent music from tours to album releases to bands breaking up and everything else that you need to know. And the reason I like the site so much is because there is some editorial content on there that, uh, you know, gives it a personality and it's run by one dude. And, uh, I'm a big fan of people taking an idea and running with it. And that's exactly what Zach has done. So visit propertyofzach.com for some cool shit. Um, a few more orders of business before we delve into the guest for this week, um, And for those of you who are new listeners, because I've been noticing there's been a lot more people checking out the show since our partnership with Property of Zach and, I don't know, maybe just friends telling friends or whatever, subscribe to the show. I promise you that even though you may have no idea who this guest is or who the band is or whatever, I promise you that the conversations will elicit some either good stories, good information, something along those lines, um, because ultimately that's what I'm trying to capture. Not so much the idea of, oh, I can only care about this interview if I am a super fan about this band or 
you know, this medium or whatever. Um, the idea is that I want to showcase why people do what they do. And I think that's a universal truth that a lot of people are interested in and hearing other people tell their stories about why they do what they do. Um, so yeah, subscribe, go to iTunes and subscribe or go to Stitcher radio. You can find that on the Stitcher radio app, um, or whatever other medium you like to listen to podcasts, or even if you don't subscribe, go visit hundredwordspodcast.com and you can listen to the shows if you don't want to download them, or you can just simply download an MP3 um, if you hate iTunes. So, yeah, do all that because I don't want you missing this content. I think uh, if you like one show, you'll probably like the next one and the next one, and that's the idea. Anyways, um, so if you do check this out and you do enjoy it, review the show on iTunes. Uh, that's the best place to do it. Three seconds will take you to press three stars, four stars, five stars. That's once you actually find the podcast on iTunes, um, you, there's two options. Like I said, you can give it a star review, which will take two seconds out of your day. Um, or if you wanted to take two minutes out of your day and write a nice review, I read them and I really do appreciate them. And it's cool to hear people's feedback and kind of where they got introduced to the show and all that other fun stuff. Um, also, I wanted to comment on someone who made fun of me on Twitter, and I appreciate that. And it wasn't so much making fun of, but just the fact that sometimes, I think everybody suffers from this, when you get a certain turn of phrase in your head, and it just is easy to insert anywhere you possibly want. Uh, That's what it was like a few weeks ago for me when I can't even remember what show, but I said some way, shape, or form. And uh, I might have said it a lot. And so someone joked around and said, hey, we should create a drinking game based around this. And anytime Ray says that, we should take a shot. Um, I can't stop you. You can easily do that. But I apologize if I do say the same shit over and over. But, you know, I'm human. And I like certain phrases just because they're easy transition points. So, uh, yeah, fucking deal with it, right? (laughs) Anyways. The guest this week is Jordan Billy from the Blood Brothers. Um, and some of you uh, younger folk may have no idea who the Blood Brothers are, um, or you're maybe paying attention and obviously doing your research and finding out about bands that existed prior to the whole boom of the internet era, uh, even though they were around when that was happening. But I digress. So Jordan Billy is one of the vocalists of the band, and because they had two vocalists, And uh, they were from Seattle, and um, I really, really liked this band. And it just, through random coincidences, uh, myself and Jordan ended up working at the same place. And uh, I remember going into um, the office that I work out of one day and seeing him do, like, his working interview. And I sat down across from him and was like, dude, this guy looks so fucking familiar. I can't place it. And then... You know, a day or two later, uh, one of my other coworkers was like, hey, did you know that was Jordan from the Blood Brothers? And I was like, holy shit, that's incredible. Because um, I had seen them so many times throughout the years because they had come through Southern California a lot. But um, they had a 
really amazing story and just kind of watching that band develop. Um, so I was really excited to sit down with Jordan and I was also nervous as well because, um, you know, sometimes after a band breaks up and, um, you know, decides to move on with their lives, uh, they might not want to, you know, dredge up old stuff or talk about the past. Um, or they might be very selective, but Jordan was not the case. Jordan was extremely open and, um, you know, very candid about the way that, the band operated and the, the, how they kind of navigated the crazy waters that they were a part of. So um, anyways, I will stop blabbering because I'm just really excited about this interview. So here is some conversation that I had with Jordan and one little note. Uh, we were having lunch together. Um, and so you will hear some crinkles or some chew sounds. And, you know, I apologize for that, but this was the best form for us to, meet in and um yeah so you'll hear some of that so you know just act like you're sitting next to us and having lunch and hearing some potato chips being you know moved around or whatever so anyways here's the interview with jordan and i hope you enjoy When that came out, it was one of those things where, I mean, I had felt like when Second Nature was releasing a record, uh-huh. I was, I, I will, I am all in. I am buying it immediately. I literally bought every release of theirs just because it was like I trusted that label, mm-hmm. and so bought that record and was already aware of you guys just because, um, obviously being on the West Coast, like you know, you yeah. come down here before, mm-hmm. um, but it it was such a. Uh, I don't know. It was so unique where it was like, because, you know, I mean, I was, by all definition of the term, a hardcore kid and, mm-hmm. you know, was into music that obviously didn't sound like that. But this, I felt like I was pushing my boundaries, so to speak, where I was like, oh, like, I get this because, like, it's aggressive, but it's not aggressive in the, you know, chugga chugga mosh way that sure. <laughs> I'm sure you are intimately familiar with. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, as as this stuff was all happening, and then obviously once, you know, the, the sort of train started to leave the station and watching everything kind of explode around um, you guys, it was just, like, such a such a weird experience. And I'm sure that, I mean, obviously, when you guys started the band, I presume it wasn't like, all right, here's our business plan. Like, <laughs> here, here's what we're doing. We're going to get signed. We're going to be this huge band. Like, you know, that never... Whereas, like, I think today, bands maybe do start like that where it's like they have this idea. I, I think so too yeah I, I think I think that um I think that kids have gotten a lot more savvy mm-hmm. these days now. yeah they know they know what to or they know what to do to make them quote-unquote successful mm-hmm. like we need a booking agent well, we and, need and the information is out there right you know and, and I think that uh when when we started our band we were sophomores juniors in high school right and this was this was pre-internet or very right. early days of internet like <laughs> right Netscape. like yeah geocity <laughs> websites yeah. right yeah yeah um, <laughs> which yeah so, it's it's so funny to even think of rooms. right <laughs> totally chat rooms where you'd be like trying to book shows <laughs> yeah. um and so 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 yeah, we did we did that first record, and I, I I haven't listened to that first one in ages. But yeah, to me it was 
more of a confluence of all of our individual uh, influences than yeah. anything else. I th and I think that that's kind of what you do when you start your first band. Totally. When you're, when you're in high school, junior high, or whatever it may be, you look toward what inspires you and you try to make something similar. At least that's what our approach was. So It, de it definitely did sound like you guys obviously put a lot of stuff in the blender. Where you're uh -huh. just like, yeah, like... And which is cool because obviously a lot of bands are like, you know, I mean, I, I remember the first bands that I played in where I was like, all right, I would love to sound like, you know, Snapcase meets Unbroken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's like, obviously, then you sound nothing like that because yeah. you can't write yeah. that music or whatever. Yeah. But you guys definitely seemed like you had obviously way more of a palette that you were choosing from, so to speak. <laughs> we were. I mean, there was there's a lot. We were very fortunate because there was a lot of just ridiculously great stuff coming out of the Northwest around that time. Right. And, and there was also a very supportive and um, just fertile all ages scene. Right. Uh, I could, I could go to shows uh, at a venue called the old firehouse. that was a teen center. Sure. It was in a town right next to where, you know, my parents lived in... Because that, so that, that was in Bellevue? Or it was that? in Redmond. Redmond, that's right. And I grew up in Kirkland. Right, okay. And it was, you know, it was no big deal for them to drop me off at a teen center on a Friday night right. where, you know, there's adult volunteers, right. you know, there's... They felt like you were in you were in okay hands there. Exactly, right, exactly. Right. And so, so, you know, at a very young age, I think... The first show I went to was at the old firehouse. I was probably 12 or 13. That's incredible. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was able to see things like, you know, Jawbreaker, Unwound, Blonde Redhead. It's amazing. Rocker from the Crypt, Quicksand. I remember Quicksand yeah. played there. Um, and then later on, stuff like Botch, Mercy Devils. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. This great band from Olympia, Behead the Prophet, No Lord Shall Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so you were able, just because it was like at this place where obviously you were able to have access to so much different music. Yeah. In a in a what your parents defined as a safe environment. Exactly. It was like you, yeah, you kind of had the 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 different musical spectrums at your fingertips. Yeah, and um, and so that venue is where I'm, you know. Johnny and myself and our first guitar player, Devin, yeah. met our future bandmates. It's where we played our first show. Um, ground Zero. I'm sure, and I'm sure a lot of people from that music scene, that was like Ground Zero for a lot of them. Like a lot of bands yeah. that kind of yeah. spawned off yeah. and started and, playing and, together. And, and coincidentally, there was there was another teen center in Bellevue mm -hmm. uh, called Ground Zero. Um, <laughs> that, that, we, that we would play as well, but, but for... Um, we were uh, we were a lot more involved uh, at the old firehouse because sure. how they did it was amazing. They would they would set aside one uh, night a month okay. for brand new bands to play. Oh, and nice! The, and the way that you got uh, on one of those shows is you came to what was called a band pool meeting, and you oh, brought wow. your demo. We listened to every demo, wow. and then we voted on who got to play the next month's show, and that's that's how the Blood Brothers got our first show. That's incredible. Um, I've never I've never heard of that sort of democratic de democratic process for because I mean usually you hear 
I mean, I fell victim to it when I started playing shows in mm-hmm. the Southern California area, like the whole pay to play where it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah. dude, you sell 50 tickets. Yeah. And it was like, you know, you do that once or twice and you'd be like, holy shit, hold yeah. on. This, this is, is absurd. This is absurd. terrible. Like, because usually you wouldn't end up selling all the tickets and then you would have to be like, hey, mom, could I borrow 400 bucks? Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, playing in a bar where you stand outside and you mm-hmm. wait and then you play and then you leave. Right. Or just living in a town that had nothing nothing going on yeah yeah for um, sure so were you were you uh, born and raised in the pacific northwest yes nice yes. in kirkland uh first in a very small town called kenmore okay. uh, and then i was getting into a little bit of trouble <laughs> oh no. in uh in uh, elementary school and, and my parents uh decided that me and my my twin sister should Go to school in Kirkland. Interesting. So yeah. the, you were, um, was there any specific reason that you were getting in trouble besides maybe boredom or rebellion boredom. at an early age? Just absolute, you know, the boredom that comes from living in a tiny suburb. <laughs> right. So know. like juvenile type stuff, like breaking windows and... Nothing even that hardcore. I mean, just like, <laughs> you know, smoking cigarettes or... Sure. Um, getting detention or getting in trouble at recess. Right, right. You're like this, this. This kid Jordan's a ruffian. Yeah. Like he's he is a bad influence yeah, in all these other little exactly. kids. Exactly. We've got to nip this in the bud. <laughs> right. Yeah. We gotta. We have to say. So, did you and your sister were you guys kind of like uh, pals and obviously like discovering the world together? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. We, we we still are. We're we're twins. And right. We're, we're extremely close. We played in our first band together. Uh-huh. This is prior to the Blood Brothers. Um, she plays. She plays drums. She plays drums in a band called The Gossip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, she's always on tour. Um, right. Love watching her play. She's absolutely incredible drummer. That's awesome. So you guys, I mean, from what I've heard from other people who are twins, it's like you definitely see a very uh, distinct either movement closer to one another mm-hmm. or a distinct, I have to be completely separate from them. And that's yes. cool that you guys obviously came oh, together. The former of the two, right, yeah. right. That you were like, oh yeah, this is this is something that is fun, and we want to be a mm-hmm. part of this. Um, we would, we you know, we shared clothes. You know, <laughs> that's incredible. And band t-shirts. Sure, of course. Everything, you know? Yeah. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. 
get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Um, so did your, uh, what'd your parents do? Like in the- They were teachers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like in uh, high school or elementary school? Um, my mom is a elementary school music teacher. Okay. And my dad taught uh, at the junior high that we went to. Oh, that must've been tough. Yeah. Did you uh, get picked on because your dad was at the school? I got picked on, but that wasn't... Um, <laughs> that wasn't one of the reasons? That wasn't one of the reasons, no. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I I got picked on more because, you know, me and my friends were sort of in this subclass of loser that everyone could pick on. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you were... You were... You were... You were below, like, you were below the safe line of, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, these, like, this group of kids is easy to pick on. Like, they're, they're the lowest hanging fruit, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't even skate because, like, the, um, in, in, you know, where we grew up, mm-hmm. skate culture and traditional high school bro culture were one and the same. So we didn't even have that as a refuge. Whereas right. so many of my friends and, and my wife, you know, they, you know. That was the place they could escape that's, to. That's the yeah, place yeah. where they could escape. They all skated and, you know, they... They embraced that culture, mm-hmm. all the music, all the fashion, all the art that goes along with it. Right. But for me... <laughs> You're like, and, and, I can't go anywhere. Yeah, I, can't even, I couldn't even do that, you know? So when when did you start to feel the divide? Like, uh, this is as you were going to... Um, this was in junior high. In junior yeah. high. Was that kind of the first point that, or the first part where you started to realize, like, I'm getting I'm getting picked on for being me and this sucks? Like, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Junior, junior high is, is brutal. Yeah. I, 
I wouldn't wish that experience on anyone. Yeah. You know, it is, uh, it's unreal. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, people definitely like, I, I distinctly remember that was the first time where I started to realize like, cause I think, yeah, it was in seventh grade where it's like, you know, it's taking off my shirt and it's like, I've never been, you know, you are a very slender fellow. I, I, I've always carried around, you know, sure. a little stomach or whatever mm-hmm. the case may mm-hmm. be, but I've never viewed myself as like, you know, Oh, I'm fat or whatever. Sure. That just didn't enter my mind. Yeah. But thankfully Max, an eighth grader mm-hmm. was just like, you know, Oh, look at that fatty. And I was yeah. just like, I was like, you were lucky to have someone that- remind you of yeah that. i'm like oh, or, or, oh yeah or point that out for the first time totally yeah. and it's i yeah and it was like it it really i mean like I, because i remember his name and i'm sure that there are people's names where you're just like yeah that person was oh, yeah. absolutely terrible to yeah. me and it's like yeah junior high definitely it, it it is when the uh the outside world starts to come down on you and you're like mm-hmm. oh wow like maybe i'm you know me being comfortable with myself like you start to question that <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Um, and so, as you were uh, trying to find refuge, like is that is that kind of why your sister and you bonded so closely when you guys were kind of advancing through elementary and junior high? Where we, yeah, I mean, we were. We've always been very close, but that mm-hmm. you know, having, um, you know, I I think any time that you're that you're that you feel like you're sort of like the rank outsider, mm-hmm. um you're going to become closer with the people that feel the same way. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, it was my sister. It was Johnny. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, my friends, Tyler and Ryan, who also had a band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was my friend Devin. And these are all people that, um, for the most part, I'm, you're I'm still, still right. Right. With. Yeah. And it's so yeah. funny because then you would probably look at the people that gave you the most shit and they probably, they probably don't keep in contact with anybody no. from that perspective. And probably have a very narrow view on how the world is, like you know, compared to you, where it's just to be like, oh, like I've been able to, you know, experience the world, and you know, they maybe have never been outside of whatever their given town may be. Yeah, I mean, and you can. It was it was easy to sort of discern those people when you, <laughs> when you were in high school, where you can tell like this this is going to be the high point for them. Yeah, you know, they, this they ends put, right here. They've, they've put all their eggs in this basket. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I would just kind of laugh to myself. Right. You know, and you'd be like, "This is this is going to end for me, and I'm going to be able to do what yeah, I define is, as fun." This like, is this is six years of of my life that I have to kind of put my head down and, and get through. Get through, but yeah. then I have everything after that right right and so as you were uh when did independent music kind of become i mean i know you were mentioning obviously the venue did, mm-hmm. was that kind of when it started to really uh get introduced to you yes yeah because i would it, it gave me the opportunity to see things mm-hmm. um that that i wouldn't see um by turning on my television or my radio right right uh, and since i could always since I could always go to the old firehouse, it was it was my my place of refuge. Yeah, you know, me and my friends would just go every weekend. Right. You know, any time there was a show, it didn't yeah, it didn't matter, matter who it was. Who was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was dirt cheap. It, you know, it was five dollars or less. Right. And so I just sucked everything in. That's incredible. You know? Yeah. And um, after. After going to shows there for a few years, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, we played our first show, mm-hmm. started to go, you know, started to 
you know, follow the bands that we liked. Right. Um, and then started to play with the bands that we liked sure. and started to branch out to other venues. Uh, there was, there was a great venue in Seattle and Pioneer Square called the Velvet Elvis. Mm-hmm. And they would also do all ages shows. But the great thing about that venue was that their all ages shows a lot of the times were Sunday matinees. Oh, okay. And Pioneer Square, the neighborhood where it was located, is pretty dicey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but again, my parents had no problem dropping us off somewhere at two p.m. Yeah. In the afternoon. What trouble can possibly go? Yeah. We would we would be dropped off for a show and be out of there by six. Right. You know, and and so I, I would see tons of bands come through the Velvet Elvis. A, a lot of bands that maybe wouldn't make it out to. Uh, Redmond because they maybe didn't want suburbs or whatever. Yeah, they yeah, didn't want to yeah. route like a weird suburban city of into course. a tour. Sure, um, and, and that's where I saw you know just tons of more weirdo stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. More national bands. Sure, sure. Um, and it was really it, it was really having the experience of of playing shows mm-hmm. with with my peers and then also people that I looked up to. Right. That, that initially you know, blew my mind. Right. And it, I mean, I'm sure it just blew my world wide open. Right. And I'm sure it was one of those things, like you said, it was your referee, it was your refuge and you started to feel like that sense of community where it's yeah. like, I mean, as cliched as it sounds, where it's like, you know, the, all, all the weirdos show up at the same room mm-hmm. and then you're just like, Oh, okay. You may be a different weirdo, mm-hmm. like, but we're still in the same boat because yeah. we're still experiencing you know, this awesome band live or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when did, did you always have that desire to be like, I have to play in a band? Yeah. Like, yeah. Once you kind of saw it. It was, it was once I heard, um, like Nirvana. Yeah. You know, it was that, that was, you know, when I was about 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going to a new junior high, um, you know, the first, the first kids that I met, um, Tyler and Ryan mm-hmm. and Tyler's older brother Adam they had a band and it was the first oh. time that I saw people my age playing instruments and practicing in their garage right. and and actually doing it right and, and uh, that's revelatory oh yeah yeah I mean I would I would just go over their uh, their house after school every day and just hang out and watch them practice yeah which is you know? just like the best thing that you could possibly do at the time definitely it's like, oh, that's incredible definitely mm. And then, and then my sister and and Johnny mm-hmm. and my good friend Devin, who ended up uh, being the first guitar player in the Blood Brothers, mm-hmm. they played in a band together. And okay. then, you know, it was all sort of the same pool of kids in the same social circles. Right. So, you know, things kind of shifted around. Um, I started playing with uh, Hannah and Johnny and Devin, mm-hmm. and then Hannah started to play with another group of like-minded girls sure and then me and johnny and devin um met cody and mark um, mm-hmm. at at a show sure and, you know and started Figured the brothers. You, right yeah. right so what, what, what was the what was the official first band that you played with that you actually started to you know play shows with that or oh, okay that uh that band was called vade okay um, terrible band name that's like uh, well, that's not that bad 
They're, it's pretty bad, though. <laughs> there are worse, but... There yeah. are worse, but right, it's, right. It's, it's still pretty embarrassing. I, I, would it, I would also contend that the Blood Brothers is a pretty bad band name. Um, but, but again, both both things that you know we came up with when we were 15, 16 years <laughs> Right, old, of course. So you're like, this is, this is the... Much. Right, you're yeah. like, this is the way that it's going to exist in perpetuity forever. Exactly. You can't really plan on that. <laughs> what, did, what did that, uh, what did that uh, first incarnation sound like? It was weird. It sounded like... Um, you know, the stuff that we really loved was, like, Unwound, mm-hmm. um, a band called Bare Minimum. Okay. Uh, we had, like, Jehu. Sure, sure. Um, just just yeah. weirdo stuff. It, was, it, wasn't as, it wasn't as punk as mm. the Blood Brothers. It was more sort of that early, you know, early to mid-90s, like, emo-y stuff. Right, right, like, right. I mean, we were about 15. So right, like right, right. 95, 96. Sure, sure. And so, and you were singing in that band? No, no, I was okay. playing bass. Okay. Johnny was singing. Okay. Hannah was playing drums. Okay. And Devin was playing guitar. And then Mark, um, Blood Brothers drummer, was playing guitar. Sure. Yeah. And so, once you started to kind of get into this world, and obviously, like, playing in bands and everything, um, it's kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. One, I presume, your high school, like, did you did you take it seriously as far as, like, your studies were concerned? And mm-hmm. were you, okay, you, you got good grades. Oh, good, yeah. Nice. Because like, uh, you usually you find kids like once they find music they're just like fuck that I'll get C's I'll just ride yeah, through I was, whatever I was serious about it that's you know, cool because I uh, I hated where I lived and and I figured that I wanted to give myself every opportunity I could to okay. do whatever I wanted right right that's a yeah that's a very uh, that's a very mature decision because yeah because you, you, like, whether or not <laughs> in retrospective you know. yeah yeah but um. Okay, so you took your you took your study seriously, mm-hmm. and because of that, do you think your parents like you know did were they reacting negatively to? I mean, it sounds like they were supportive to a certain extent of you mm-hmm. doing bands and like dropping yeah. off the shows and stuff. Yeah, and so as long as you were kind of like keeping up your studies, they exactly. Were, okay, yeah. yeah, as as long as you know, I was getting my homework done and stuff. Right. And, I mean, they they were they were very supportive. They they told us that we could do whatever we wanted, you know, music wise. That's cool. They'd buy us instruments if we. Agreed to take lessons. Oh, um, okay. You know, my mom was a music teacher, right? So it, it, you have that built-in understanding where yeah, she's like, "Okay, yeah. I, like this isn't some you know completely foreign territory for her." Totally. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so then, as you, uh, yeah, as you started to progress through high school, and then um, you know, obviously, like the the Blood Brothers started to uh, take over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go to college at all? I went for two years. Okay. Yeah, I went to the University of Washington. Okay. What were you studying there? Just doing undergraduate stuff. That's your first two years. I, yeah, right? I hadn't figured it out yet. Right, right, right. Yeah. And were you were you doing that to kind of like bide your time as the band was kind of going, or did you do that because you're like, no, I really wanted to get a degree. I really wanted to get a degree, Got it. and this was this was still at the you know, at a time where we really, other than playing shows, putting out records, and touring, we didn't we didn't have any aspirations beyond. The immediate, right? You know, what beyond, I'm yeah, no, beyond the, that. It, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was that's definitely very um, symptomatic of that era where you just like you know it, it would be you'd be just putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, all right, we'll release a demo. Like, mm-hmm. here, let's do this next thing. Like, okay, cool, let's book our first you know West Coast tour, exactly. or whatever. And exactly. So yeah, you didn't and have these. You book your first West Coast tour, and then you try to put together. A U.S. tour, right? And and we were doing all this stuff ourselves, and sure, um, 
making phone calls, right. emailing people. Right. Yeah. What role did, did you uh, play in the band in regards to, like, you know, did you handle a lot of the business or yeah. were you? Yeah, you were the... Johnny and I did. Yeah. yeah. As far as... It's kind of funny how that always falls on singers. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, like, you could be the most, <laughs> like, disorganized person, but just because you're... You have a microphone and you're in sure. the front of the stage. People uh-huh. are like, oh, we'll talk to you first uh-huh. or we'll exactly. settle with you for the... Exactly. <laughs> and there, there's other... I mean, there's, you know, um, there's other people in right. the band that are probably <laughs> more interesting to right. talk to. Or more, more ideas. Right. More things to express as far as, you know, how the music was created you know, right. things like that. <laughs> you're like, but they, they kept going to me for business. Yeah. Um, and so as you were... Um, so after you were doing like those first two years of college, and then, mm-hmm. then obviously you uh, you dropped out because that's when things started to kind of exactly really get real. Yeah. Um, what did and again, kind of you know, were your parents like as they were watching the journey? Like you know, you were I'm sure keeping them up to date and being like, this is there's crazy stuff that's happening mm-hmm. here with us. Like, were they pretty excited for you? Or were they pretty scared of the fact that you were dropping out? My. Um... You know, my mom mm-hmm. was was pretty concerned. She she did not like the idea of me dropping out of school to do my punk band. Sure. But <laughs> which what, which is within reason. Sure. <laughs> but um, what what I told her at the time, uh, and and I I still think this is uh, entirely entirely valid. I still stand by it. Mm-hmm. Is that school will always be there. Totally. And the opportunity to, you know make records with your best friends and right. travel and mm-hmm. see the world and, and do something that you love that's that's not something that's always going to be there for you no that could it's very yeah it's i mean it's fleeting like not every yeah. not everybody gets to experience that. and if you don't and, and if you don't at least take a stab at uh seeing what that's like um you know i i I, I shudder to think of living an entire life of regret, not having experienced the things that I was fortunate enough to experience with that band. Totally, totally. Yeah, if you like, if you didn't see that through, you could be, you know, sitting wherever you're. I mean, probably in a very different position where you are mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. and be like, God, I wish I would have done that, but you know, instead I opted to get my, you know, spend an additional two years and get a degree, and mm-hmm. you know, which, I mean, that in and of itself isn't a hollow pursuit, but. It's a completely entirely, like you said, it's always going to be there. True. Um, and so, obviously, with everything happening with the Blood Brothers, and it became, I mean, honestly, it, from this is completely from the outsider's perspective, sure. as I was watching this all transpire, because, you know, by this time, you guys had, you know, come through Southern California a decent amount, and you yeah. had done, you know, all the shows that you played at, you know, Coos and PCH yeah. Club, like, you know, it re- you really felt a groundswell of support. And it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, they more kids come out each time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then just hearing the way that, um, I mean, especially because it was like, you know, at the drive-in and then shortly after Blood Brothers. It was like those, you know, you guys were definitely the bands where it was like, from our independent community, like, uh, obviously since the whole Nirvana explosion where it's just like the bands that had kind of bubbled up where it's like, you know, you've, you've been given, you've been given the torch to be proverbially passed. (laughs) And so it's like, I'm sure during that time, was it like the most stressful yet? Like, I mean, where was your mind at during those times where it was just like, holy shit, this is crazy. Or like, this is just like, you kind of took it in stride. Like it 
a combination of of, of all those <laughs> of things. every emotion. You know, yeah, it was it was wild. I mean, we we were contacted by by Ross to record our record mm-hmm. shortly after this adultery is right. Mm-hmm. We hadn't we had we had written a lot of March on the Children, 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 but right. we hadn't recorded it yet. Okay, and we'd already. You know, we'd already agreed to put that record out with 3-1-G. Right. We'd already agreed to have Matt Bayless record it. Sure. And, and so we told uh, Ross, you know, we, we have plans for our next record already, but right. we can do the next one. Right, let's keep you know, touch, right. The next one. And, um, and so we sort of, we kept in touch with him. He had us come down, meet with him, mm-hmm. meet with labels and stuff. In in he was in, so he was kind of shepherding you guys exactly, through. Exactly, okay. exactly. He was he was in a position from the records that he did, that he'd done prior, right? Where he could pick a band, and any number of labels would say yes. I'm already interested. We're we're already interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he happened to pick us. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is like, did, when he initially reached out to you, like, you know, was it difficult for you guys to reconcile? Like, it's not difficult for you guys to reconcile, you know, the fact that he can, turn, you know, kind of pick good music, so to speak. Like, you're like, okay, I understand that, but you're like, I'm sure, like, you, we didn't even understand that. I mean, I we didn't. Even, you're like, why us? We didn't understand. We didn't understand, you know, what a producer did. <laughs> right. Seriously. Totally. We were, like, we were like, well. We record our music. You know, the, the engineer records it. Where right. Do you, where, where do you fit into the right. equation? Right. How? Yeah. How's this happening? You know, and um, you know, we and and I, I mean, and how to put this delicately? I, I guess we weren't we weren't into at all like the stuff that he'd recorded. No. No. Yeah. You know? Which is, I mean, because it, it's they're two separate worlds. Yeah, and 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 so it was. It took a lot of kind of back and forth, and in and, sure. and, and talking to him, getting an idea of what he was looking to do, talking amongst ourselves. Sure, he was very clear that you know, I I just like what you do, and I want to help you capture it to the to the best right you know, of your ability of your ability. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's that's yeah. what he did. And I'm sure, yeah, because that, that to me that was always like I remember because like you know late '90s. I mean, you know, managers existed within independent mm-hmm. culture, but it was still a very new thing for, like, bands, you know, bands that I'm friends with or whatever. Like, you know, when my band was existing, mm-hmm. like, getting picked up by management, like, you know, like, being from Orange County bands, I remember the first band, like, that band Atreyu, you, mm-hmm. where it was, like, they got picked up by management, and I was like, they've signed on to the devil. Like, well, something... Just, I mean, the, the, yeah. the lines were drawn so much... Uh, more clearly, totally back then, where it's like it just felt like an awkward had, step. Yeah, you had you had the underground, and then you had yeah um, the whole world of major labels, and you know there one did not cross over into the yeah. other without incurring a certain amount of wrath. Right. Um, Ocean. It, they were definitely oceans apart. Yeah, like. and and you know I would I would think the same thing. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, like. Having having a manager, having all these things, they just seemed corny. They just seemed stupid. <laughs> right, right. I do this, you know, myself, or I do this with the help of, you know, my friends who right. I trust. 
Um, Instead of this you know, random dude coming out of nowhere and being like, oh, like, okay. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, it, obviously, it's completely different now. You know? Yeah. It's like Mountain Dew puts out records. <laughs> people, people, <laughs> don't, people, don't, people really don't care at all, you know? But can, yeah. you imagine, can you imagine telling your friends that Mountain Dew is going to put out your record? Yeah, you in, could. In, you know. 98? Yeah. 98, 2000. You know, sure, it'd be like, uh, <laughs> yeah, are, are, you, are you like a... You know, a radio rock band or something yeah, like yeah, yeah. you totally that those those worlds don't don't mix. But I mean, it's cool that you. I always did admire and still do the fact that you guys were just like you know what, like obviously, like you said, you talked internally, you felt comfortable, whether or not it was the, the you know in retrospect the best step you could have taken. You're just like we have to try this. Mm-hmm. Like we have to kind of you know really put ourselves out there. Yeah. Um, as long as we feel comfortable making these steps, and I'm sure yeah. there was many late nights. So, yeah, and so it was. It, it was a combination of just feeling completely in over our heads, but then also trying to take everything with a certain grain of salt. Sure. And and that's exactly how I thought of it. I, I you know, I, I told myself I'm I'm 19 years old. Right. I'm in college, and mm-hmm. I don't know what I want to do. Right. I'm working a job that, you know. It's just a job. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's nothing that I'm passionate about. Right. I'm just um, killing time here. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, this person and, and, and this label has given us an opportunity to do something that we love to do and that we'd be doing anyways. Right. And we just kind of figured uh, we'd be foolish not to at least try right 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 enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm signing up and playing is so easy simply sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matter more than ever place your money line prop and parlay bets with a king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Yeah, that's that, that's what I always thought, like especially just because it's like after, you know, Burn Piano Island, like once <clears throat> once that did come out and obviously was received well not only you know like from the mainstream critical world but then like you know the a lot of your fans that obviously didn't have this myopic view of like oh i can't enjoy them now Mm -hmm. um whether or not like it maybe it was like i can't enjoy them now because i hate them musically Mm -hmm. but like the whole you know like you said the whole dividing line where it's like oh they're a major i can't like them Yeah, yeah um as you were kind of experiencing this and like looking back on it um what because i'm sure you were put into many situations where you were like this is the weirdest fucking thing that I have done. Like mm-hmm. whether it was like a press opportunity, like oh, yeah. what, what one or two things like stuck out in your mind where it was like, Oh my God, like this is weird. Like why do, why are we doing this? Oh yeah. I mean, there, there, was, there was, I mean, there, there were moments where, <laughs> you know, the, the five of us were sitting in a big conference room around like a huge conference <laughs> table with, with the label that we would eventually sign with. Right. And, just the way that they were the way that they were describing to each other what it was that we did and how we operated it operated was just absolutely bizarre you know to to see a label head telling their i don't even know what yeah like middle management or whatever yeah whatever you know (laughs) these guys what they do is they will play a house and then they'll stay at that house that they play at and, and this was like blowing their minds and, and we were seeing, we just felt like we felt like like a weird like sideshow curiosity you know? right. we're just sitting there and we're like, yeah, right that's what we do right you know? and, and they'd be like well we need to get you on a real tour and and for for them to say that to someone who had who had helped book all of you know our tours we were you know we we're just sort of like well i don't I don't want to go on tour with the Deftones. <laughs> right, right, right. Or, well, how like, is this going to benefit like whatever, us? Whatever right. else, you know, they're, they're talking about. Right, know, right. Things that they're just sort of pulling out, you know, and... and How would I make this dream come true for you? Yeah, you know, and, and we're just like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm sure, I'm sure there were so many opportunities or so many times where, the, you know, the guys sitting on the end of the table were just like, Look at these fucking guys. Like, they don't realize the opportunities they have, but they're saying so. no. I mean, or, I think that, I think that they, you know, they trusted, you know, like, like any, like a lot of labels and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, the labels that he was working with, they, they trusted Ross as, you know, kind of like a tastemaker. Yeah, a purveyor you know? of fine bands, and I, right? Yeah, and I think when he brought us, mm-hmm. they were like, you know, well, if if you say so, <laughs> you know right, right, We're, yeah, and, totally. And and to to everyone that we worked with, credit, you know, what we what we recorded and what we handed in, that was what they put out. 
And they Which is great. They yeah. didn't come to the studio. I think they came to the studio once. Right. Just to listen to some stuff. And they're like, yeah, this, this is good. Right. Um, and, and then left. It was really... Um, well, yeah, because you obviously hear the horror stories. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. weren't intrusive at all. There wasn't an A&R person. I mean, Ross, Ross was, was pretty much acting as our A&R person. And he was very protective over what it was we wanted to do. That's great. Um, and, you know... Like I, yeah, like I said, exactly what we recorded was exactly what they put out. Right. And, um, well, it's incredible that you got. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's an ideal opportunity to be in, because, and that's I'm sure where because you guys felt comfortable. It's like once you trusted Ross, and you're mm-hmm. like, yo, if we could let you in on our world, then everything else that you would do would be awkward because it's something like you said that you're sitting in boardrooms and have no idea what you know. Mm-hmm. They don't know your world, but you'd be like. Well, you know, we have this shield between us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Ross is going to be able to, like, you know, we trust him, and we know that we're not going to be thrown under the bus. Exactly. You know, all yeah. these other horror stories. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, part part of the charm, or at least the charm that I always enjoyed of the Blood Brothers, was you know once you guys started to do you know quote unquote step out on more you know adventuresome tours where it's like you know you're not playing to people that have any context for who you are. Sure. Um, you know, like, I mean, I remember our, our first discussion where we were talking about, you know, the tour that you guys did with Glassjaw. Uh-huh. And it was like, I remember seeing, you know, the Glass House in Pomona and just like people just, you know, fucking faggots. Like, just. Oh, yeah, I hated it. And like, did. And from what I saw and I experienced was it's like, you know, once you once you guys kind of started to get a negative reaction from people, um, you kind of just gave it that much more. You're just like, well. That's who we are. Like, yeah. fuck you. Like, you know, was that by that? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't conscious. Like you guys were like, you know, sitting backstage being like, this is what's going to happen on this mm-hmm. tour or whatever. But I mean, it might've been like, it might've been something you guys were like, okay, we're probably going to go over pretty poorly on this tour, but the kids that do like us or the, you know, we will appeal to this sure. section of the crowd. I mean, that was, that was our first experience with anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we, we honestly didn't know what to expect. Right. We just knew that, you know, we were we were supporting this band who who again, you know, they had they had recorded with with Ross as well. There mm-hmm. was a connection there. And, sure. You know, they asked us to do that tour with them, and it was with American Nightmare. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, the the crowds were, you know, a lot of the shows just you know openly hostile. Uh-huh. Not every show, right? But, but when they were, you know, it, it was pretty vicious and. I just, there wasn't any, you know, we never kind of sat down and discussed how we were going to approach that because it was nothing that we were expecting. Sure. Um, But I I think it was just like you said, like our, our, our mindset was, well, if you don't like us too bad you're stuck with us for right. a half hour yeah and we're not going anywhere right you know? we're gonna play like oh you're not, you're not into us we'll just go ahead and leave right now yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you, you <laughs> expect that to happen yeah. <laughs> like, totally totally um and i i think for me there's 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 no there's no point in trying to um do anything more to sway someone's opinion than than just playing I and mean, right we we were what we were. That's what we did. And, and we accepted the fact that it's not for everyone. Yeah. And, and we would go on these tours, the last job one being one of them, where mm-hmm. 
it clearly wasn't for everyone. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, that, I definitely... You guys were a very uh, black and white band. It was yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, and, and I kind of... You know, I'm kind of proud of that, the fact that you either loved us or hated us. I think that there's a lot... There's a lot of stuff out there where you just kind of shrug your shoulders and you're like, mm, yeah, it's okay, or it's not, you know, and, and that's that's as much as you think about, right? It. You know, you just you don't engage with it at all. It's just sort of like, totally, it's okay. It kind of reminds me of this, but, right? There's know, there's no yeah, I you and, and that's what I liked about that band was, you know, it, it was so it was so polarizing, mm-hmm. and and so the people that really got it and and, and um, liked those records, loved them, and, right. and and the shows when we would do headlining shows were were amazing, right? Uh, and and it felt like we were kind of creating this whole world sort of unto ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was super inspiring um, to just see kids getting into weird weird music, right? Um, but. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I think you, you you hit on a very important point and something that I always, I definitely agree with you. That's something to be proud of because it's like you do like no slight against a lot of the bands that are you know around currently, but you know a lot of the bands that you know play your Coachellas and whatever. It's like you know they kind of fall. They do. They're very vanilla and like mm-hmm. not in a bad way. Just in like like you said, they're you know they're easy to listen to. Like mm-hmm. you know you can you can put them on when you're working or whatever. But like you don't really feel. Um, like it elicits that high level of engagement where you're just like, oh my God, I have to see this live because like, you know, I know it's going to be some, you know, amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And like, it does like when you do have a glut of artists fall into the sort of gray area, you know, it definitely, uh, it's not as exciting. Like you don't feel, yeah, like I said, you did, or like you said, you don't feel. You need those freak scenes. Yeah. You just, you need, you need those people that, that, are sort of on their own weird little island, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And those that, that was the kind of stuff that I always kind of gravitated towards, right? You know, yeah. Um, you know, even going to hardcore shows, the you know the band that I remember most and that I loved most was Behead the Prophet, right? It, it, I mean, it was like a freak show, totally. You know, completely, yeah. And that's that's what you're just like, yeah, because it elicits a reaction, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. You you know. Like, you know yeah. whether you like it yeah. or you don't like it. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, but so <clears throat> obviously, because you guys tour, you toured so much. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people who have never toured don't understand that it sucks a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it really, there are two separate worlds when you're in a band. It's like there's, there's life, which is essentially touring. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you're in this kind of suspended state of animation mm-hmm. where it's like, the world goes on around you, yeah. but you're just traveling and doing all these yeah. things. And it's exciting. But it's like the, being in suspended time, though. Yeah. yeah. Because everybody, like, you know, when you come home and other people have, like, you know, done, you know, moved on, moved, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. moved on in their lives. And you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I, I was in China. I did whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. did these crazy exotic things. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like, that, yeah. the, the people on the outside can say, like, oh, that's cool. Um, you know, when, when for you, did it kind of like, you know, just wear on you where you were like, if there was a specific experience or whether it was like just the overall roughness of the schedule where it was like, <laughs> when did it wear on you? <laughs> um, I mean, like, because once you started a tour, like yeah. you, you enjoyed that experience, I'm yeah, sure. I loved it. 
and then like touring. right but but like you said i mean it was you know essentially for six years mm-hmm. uh, straight we were on we were on a cycle of tour yep write record tour and, and we did it was um you know March on, then burn, then crimes, then our, right. then our last one. I mean, they came, they came out in like very rapid succession. Sure, and we we were always touring in between every recording session. Right, and even when we were waiting for the record to come out, we would be on tour. Right, you know, because that's that's how we supported ourselves. We didn't support ourselves from record sales at all. Oh, of course like, not. At, I mean, I don't think, it, who does? <laughs> you know? But right. so, so it was just all touring. And I, I personally, um, I think I uh, adapted to that lifestyle Relative. pretty, relatively easily. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed sort of, you know, the sense of total freedom and, and adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going to a different, uh, you know, going to a different city every night, of and, course. and being able to see the world with you know my my best friends, mm-hmm. and, uh, who wouldn't love that? Um, right. But like you said, I mean, it, it does. You're you're basically you're basically fighting off being sick for two or three months straight, and totally. then when you're done, your body tells you that it didn't like what you did to it for those right. past few It months. rebels, totally. Yeah, and then you completely crash out. And I think that, you know, I, I forget, like, how um, how exhausting the, the whole process is and just how... Um, how terrible my body would always feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, either sleep deprived, sure, or, or hungover, or a combination of the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Being in a van for eight hours, and then right. you know, it's 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 all those things that it, it to me it always sounds. You know, anyone who hasn't experienced it mm-hmm. um, has every you know every right to be like, well, you sound like a fucking asshole complaining about it. But, right. But like you said, if you haven't. If you haven't done it, totally. Then they're like the people. It, people are like, "Oh, rock star problems, yeah. whatever." And it's like that. That it's not because it's yeah. like that. It is, you know. Once you get to the point where you're touring so much that obviously yeah. it becomes your job. Yeah. That you know, it's still a job. Yeah. Like you know, you, even though you're doing something awesome and you're having yeah, fun. Any, like, anyone who who tries to say that being in a band isn't there isn't hard work involved is, is yeah delusion right <laughs> i mean it's hard it's hard work just to keep the relationship of five people together totally that's hard work 100 it's it's hard work to drive eight hours completely fried out yeah 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 <laughs> you're like i do not want to do this yeah. like yeah but you've got no choice because yeah. you've got another you know three and a half months of tour. it's rewarding it's right. some of the most rewarding work that that i've ever done of but, course but it's hard work nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <clears throat> and so obviously as things started to come to an end with Blood Brothers and then, um, you know, the – and this, granted, again, this is my opinion. Sure. Um, but from what – I mean, you know, the, the, the few months that I've known you and kind of just, you know, seeing how you operate, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, from a, a daily working environment. Sure. You've transitioned pretty well into the quote-unquote real life because some, mm-hmm. you know, some people, like, once, once that comes to a halt – um, you know, they, they just don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. 
And I mean, I'm sure there were moments where you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you seem to have transitioned well. Like, you know, was was that a huge weight on your shoulder as things started to kind of come to an end, where you're just like, what the fuck am I going to do? Or was it? Yeah, because because like I said, all of our you know, the way that we supported ourselves was off of touring, right? And then once that whole engine you know came to came to a halt <laughs> yeah you know i had a few months you know until you know, the money yeah, yeah dried out and I, and I needed to figure something out right and i knew that i knew that i didn't want to work at a venue and i knew i didn't want to work at a bar right i, I didn't want to be and you never um, you never wanted to work in the music industry at all after experiencing it no no. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because some yeah. people that's what they trans. I mean that's what I, mean, I transitioned by, into by, but I totally understand by that time you know 2007 or so it was sort of like well what music industry that's what, true what yeah. are supposed to even <laughs> bad do? timing right yeah. right 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 yeah and um, I, I just knew that I didn't want to be talking about you know the band breaking up every night oh, you know, yeah. working at a, at a club that's or, true or something yeah, yeah. like that and I, I didn't want to be I just didn't really want to be in, in that whole world. Right. I, I wanted to be anonymous, basically. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had a friend, Julia, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, worked at a nonprofit called Treehouse. Right. Uh, and she she was leaving uh, her position, but she thought it would be perfect for me. Yeah. And um, that's where I landed. Sure. Uh, and I and I worked there for four years before. Yeah, before that, working here. Yeah, yeah. California, yeah. <clears throat> um, and sort of, uh, sort of to, to wrap things up, <clears throat> the um, obviously like during during this time, like you, you know, you are a married man now, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you were maintaining because you you had met her throughout the duration of the band, correct? Like mm -hmm. you know, you, there was and that that relationship existed during. Yeah, the yeah. Me and Zoe started dating when two thousand three. Okay. Yeah, and that is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so what, because I mean, a lot of people don't understand, I mean, especially like, you know, uh, the, the, you know, from younger bands of like, you know, being able to like maintain relationships on the road and not even just like, you know, the, um, you know, significant other relationships, mm -hmm. but like, you know, just having friends that are at yeah. home, like, yeah. you know, what, <clears throat> what was the, what was the most difficult thing for you during, you know, to like maintain this relationship for a person that you clearly cared about mm -hmm. and obviously, you know. The story is a—it's a good ending. You've made, yeah, you're, yeah. you are married, so there's nothing negative with that. But um, I mean, I was very fortunate in that I met—I met Zoe um, through playing shows together and, and going to shows. Right. And um, she she was in a band that toured with the Blood Brothers a couple times. Um, mm -hmm. And and then after uh, after she was done with her band, she was tour managing. Right. And so she was traveling just as much as I was. Yeah. And so. Um, we both knew exactly uh, what, what it was like, into, what, sure. you know, what we were doing, and but but it was uh, difficult. I remember at one point she was, you know, our, our tour schedules were just not lining up yeah. at all, and I think we saw each other for a total of a week over like a six month oh. uh, time time span. Right, and, right, and that one was that one was particularly brutal. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we had already been together for <clears throat> a few years before then. Right. So and you're just so, like, we just need to last through this. Yeah. Rat. I mean, we just we we had a solid foundation, and we you know we just tried to communicate with each other as much as we could. I 
I'm pretty bad about calling people and, and, <laughs> and keeping in touch when I'm on tour just because um, I, I just feel exhausted the whole time and I just don't want to talk on the phone. I either want to be sleeping or, or staring at like a wall, basically. <laughs> right. Basically. You're like, I don't need you know, sensory array. Right. Yeah, I just don't want to. Decompress. Yeah, right. I just want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know. She was very patient, very understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we didn't have to, we didn't deal with any any major issues like infidelity or anything like right, that. Right, that right, right. Part of the equation. Yeah. Um, so it was just about main, like keep, yeah, yeah keeping just, that on the path because you knew where you both wanted to end up. We did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we knew we knew that we were committed to each other. We didn't we didn't know necessarily that we were going to end up being married. Right. But. It's interesting, you know, to sort of bring it back to how how the band was operating early on. Mm-hmm. Early on, it was, you know, we were focused on just sort of the immediate. Yeah, know? like okay, like we're gonna finish this tour and then we'll see each other. You know, when it's over. Right. And then okay, like we know that um, we have this month where I can come up to Vancouver and see you for a few weekends, or you come down. But then we're back on the road, and we we just right. You know, it was all very practical and and and. and Right. Like I said, it's just sort of... Yeah. Or I yeah, think it, you probably said it earlier, it's sort of one foot in front of the other until... Yeah, no, it's very... It, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's like, I never really... Uh, I, I had the same experience as yeah. you where with like the, my wife where... Because, I mean, I got married uh, when I was 24 going on 25, which is early. Like if mm-hmm. you'd have talked mm-hmm. to me when I was 22, sure. I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. But that that exact feeling of like one foot in front of the other where it was like... It just made sense. Yeah. Like, you didn't yeah. feel awkward about it. Yeah. It was like, you know, you don't feel weird when you are just making these incremental steps. Mm-hmm. And like you said, planning where it's like, okay, like, I know we have this to look forward mm-hmm. to. And it's like, it just kind of happens because you're not too concerned. You're, you know, you're trying your best to live in the moment. Yeah. And that's, that's, I, that's important for bands, relationships, life. Yeah. <laughs> very, I mean, very sage-like advice I mean, in a way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, have, you have to be present, you know. I, 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 I look back on, you know... Uh, a lot of the time mm-hmm. I've spent in the Blood Brothers and I wish that I had been more present. I wish that I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, concerned about, you know, planning, you know, what's yeah. coming next. Concerned sure. about, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not happy with how my day is going or I'm tired or I'm cranky or, yeah. you know, I don't like the band that I'm touring. <laughs> right, right, you know, right. I don't like my own band. You know, I, <laughs> I sure, that, sure. You know, I think that for the most part, I, I feel that we were able to deal with sort of, you know, our trajectory of experiences and, and yeah. kind of trials and tribulations with, with a sense of humor. But right, if I were to kind of go back, I'd, I'd I would have liked to be more in the moment. More present, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's a very uh, good piece of information for mm-hmm. anybody to have, just yeah. to, whatever they're experiencing currently yeah. to... Like, I have, I have no, I have no, like, um, I have no, like, video footage or anything of us <laughs> recording any of our records. <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, it's, like, it's all in my brain. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, those kinds of things, you know, where it's, like, looking back, it's like, I wish that I, you know you know, picked up a camera or something. Right, like, right, you know, right. Documented something. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, at least I have these records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you obviously wanting to do this and hang yeah, out, no and problem. I hope you uh, enjoyed it in some way, shape, or form. My pleasure. <laughs> for sure. And there you have it. 
I only said in some way, shape, or form once during that episode. Booyah! Anyways, thanks for joining us, and uh, tune in next Tuesday for another exciting interview. Uh, Actually, this will be something special, something to kind of commemorate the 25th episode. So, uh, yeah, get ready. Um, Yeah, visit propertyofzach.com and find out all the latest and greatest. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.